is freaking out this, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. I was going to do you on the internet. That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, plus all the podcast platforms. Hopefully, you will make sure to find this show today, whatever podcast platform you like best. I uh, got an opportunity to use my uh, Seattle sports skill, I guess it would be, on, uh, on the old smart speaker yesterday. I made sure to tune in to listen to Justin Hollander on with Wyman and Bob. Because yesterday uh, was one of those days, right, where you have to deal with nothingness, when you have to deal with disappointment. There's nothing. The thing about the trade deadline is that it's awesome, right? I love it. You know how much I love the trade deadline. I've been talking about this for 14 years here in Seattle Radio. I love the trade deadline. I love the action, the conversation. I love, I have fond memories of being a young kid, high school even, and college, and going, meeting with my buddy Brian, who I was texting with the other night, and just like, we would just watch ESPN, like, what is Peter Gammon saying? And we would just like talk through scenarios of what the teams could do, and what about this guy, what about that guy? Like, I love it. It's always been a part of my life. But what comes with that, generally, is that moment at whatever the time is, yesterday it was 3 o'clock, at 3.01 where you're like, they didn't do anything. (laughs) What happened? I want more. I want this guy. I want that guy. We talked about all these names. How come none of them are here? And the reality is it's, it's hard to put together deals, but that's not my problem, right? Like, you know, I wanted to see more. So did you. So did everybody. So to have frustration following a trade deadline in which the Mariners didn't do as much as you would have liked them to do, especially given some of the holes, all of the holes that we've watched all year long and that continue to drive you crazy last night in the game, it's pretty frustrating. Understandably, I'm upset. I was upset yesterday. I understand why it happened the way it did, and I think I can kind of talk myself through the logic that both Jerry DePoto and Justin Hollander used yesterday, either you know Jerry speaking to, to the media afterwards or Justin Hollander, who was on with Wyman and Bob. I, I can understand all of their reasoning, but it's still frustrating. It's frustrating not to make this team better. I wrote about it. If you get some opportunity to read it, seattlesports.com. Tried to kind of put together my thoughts. It's frustrating that they were in the position they were in at the time they were in it. It's frustrating that they weren't in straight buy mode and they weren't in straight sell mode because they hadn't done enough either on the field or off the field up to this point to clearly put themselves in one of those two camps. If they hadn't just had the best July in baseball, you could have said, hey, man, seller time. Get what you can and get out of here. If you had not played like such garbage in May and, well, even April, June, you could absolutely say, buy time, let's go. The Mariners should be right there overpaying on rental bats because it's go time, but it's not. You haven't played well enough to do that. And you can say it's because the, the the stars haven't done what you expect them to do, which is the camp that I've been in all year long. I'll raise my hand. Or you could say it's because the Mariners had a failure of an offseason last year. I certainly can't argue with you today now that four of the five guys that they acquired in the offseason offensively are no longer on the roster. And the only one left is Teoscar Hernandez, who's only here for the grace of God. 
So, I, I mean, like, both of those stories are, are accurate. Regardless of why you're here, you're here. And you end up in a spot yesterday, and I think Justin said it very well, Justin Hollander on with Wyman and Bob, what they were trying to do. They're trying to walk a very fine line where they were not hurting this year's club, but they were still trying to help beyond 2023. It's hard to not be all in in one direction or another. So I understand that frustration of people thinking we're looking forward to two and three years down the road. I can assure you and them, we're not looking two and three years down the road exclusively. We were focused on threading a really tough needle, which is how do we get better today and how do we get better in the future? And that's really important because we need to be better in both of those time frames. So I understand what Justin's saying. That's absolutely what they were doing. And in that context, they did it well, I think. I mean, like, we're going to wait and see what happens, obviously, with the players. But based on what was out there, I mean, I don't know that too many better hitters than Dominic Canzone moved at the deadline. There weren't a lot of hitters that got traded. Marcana, okay, yeah, like, that's one. I think I would like to have Marcana. Like, I could sit here today and say, I wish they'd gotten Marcana. Other than that, Carlos Santana, not again. I mean, you sit here and complain that they didn't get Josh Bell. He's a 0.0 war player this year. Yeah, he's at like 230. I mean, he's been terrible. I think that's the one thing that makes me feel a little more rational about this. Because like you said, I think it's natural to get be like, that's it? Right. <laughs> we got rid of Paul Seawald and this is all. And but you look around and you go like, well, what else would you? Well, especially when the other teams in your division did get better. Kind of. I mean, like, I kind of go through this Somebody and say. Pitching and you don't need that. That you don't need that. And you're trying to sell pitching, which, by the way, turned out to be a commodity that a lot of other teams were selling. So if you're another team and you're going, well, I guess I could give you, you know, the sun, the moon and the stars for one of your your young starters. Or I could just go get Lance Lynn. Sorry, I'm just going to go get Lance Lynn. Like the market was not set up for them to sell their pitching, nor was it really set up for them to buy hitting. Okay. Again, that's the Mariners. Some of that is their problem. Like, I can understand it, but you put yourself in a position by misreading a market again where what you needed was not available and you probably should have taken care of it back in the offseason. And and they give themselves, you know, uh, blame for that. Justin Hollander saying yesterday, that's my fault. Jerry has said the same thing on this show. They know where they've screwed up and why that's a problem. Okay. But are you significantly closer to a World Series today than you were yesterday, two days ago, a week ago? No. That's not to say I don't like Canzone or that, you know, uh, Rojas can't turn himself into a good player again. They can. But are you significantly closer to World Series today than you were a week ago? No. But you're not significantly further away either. No, you're not. That's a huge part of that. That's a good point. You the didn't take a step back. of our lives this season, right? <laughs> Multiple ways to look at the same thing. What aspect of this this team you're talking about? And I know everybody's like, oh my gosh, and look what the Astros did and the Rangers did. Yeah, the Rangers got better. They replaced players that have gotten hurt with another old player. I mean, that's kind of been their MO is go old, old, old. And when old guys get hurt, imagine my surprise. The Astros get Justin Verlander back and they're getting credit for it. If I were in Houston today doing Houston radio and maybe we can check in on Paul and see what he's doing. My take would be, I mean, cool, but didn't you just trade away two top hundred prospects, including your number one prospect to get a guy back that you let walk away in the off season? Why didn't you just freaking sign him then? 
Like, if I were in Houston, I'd be happy because my guy threw a no-hitter last night, and that'd be kind of fun. And it's cool to get Justin Verlander back. But really? You're going back to the guy who's failed you in the playoffs like 10 times in a row? Really? I don't know. That 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 was sort of a, a surprise for me. So this is still sort of why I was in the do-nothing camp. I get it. And and I don't think they could do nothing, I, Justin. I, the I, more, I agree. The more you, you look at it, nothing was not an option for them. But selling low on a bunch of guys that haven't performed and getting rid of one of your best pitchers was not an option in my mind. I'm not upset at what they didn't do. Or I guess I would say I'm not upset at what they did. I'm still bummed they didn't do more. And some of that is that I'm upset about where they're at as opposed to what they did. I don't think they made any mistakes yesterday, but I know when Brock comes on here at seven o'clock, I'm going to have a hard time arguing with him when he says, yeah, it's time to go big enough to possibly make mistakes. That at some point you've got to, you, you've got to start taking a little bit more risk because otherwise playing it safe is just going to keep you somewhere in the middle. And I can say all of those things, and somebody else is going to walk in here, and I'm going to take some calls at 630 because I really do want to hear from Mariners fans today. Are you angry? Are you excited? That's probably not the right word. Do you understand what they did? I don't know if there's anybody today who's like, yes, go time. Dominic Canzone, Rojas, rock and roll. Like, that would be a surprise. Jared DeHart was on with Bump and Stace yesterday, and he said Dominic Canzone's nickname, like, some people call him Zone, which was... Zone? That's pretty sweet. Not, not, uh... He said said Dom works, too, but some people people call him Zone. I feel like that's got to go to Zoner or something, right? Like for hockey. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. If if it was hockey, he'd be Zoner, for sure. Just Dom. Anyway, um, I don't, I don't... Uh, that's my thought on today. Please, you can go read it. I, maybe I can put it together better in, in writing than I can speaking, although that would be a shame since this is, you know, the job I get paid to do. But go read it, seattlesports.com. We're going to be talking about it throughout the entire morning. I do want your take on it. I do want to hear from you guys at 630. We do have some uh, Seahawks stuff to discuss today. Colin Cowherd's going to be on the show today, so maybe we'll get a hot take or two, something like that. Uh, Shannon's going to join us at 9 o'clock, get some of her thoughts on what she saw yesterday and what the team looks like now moving forward. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Up first, game two against the Red Sox. It didn't go quite as well as game one, that's for sure. An unfortunate return of the slumping offense that just couldn't come up with a big hit when they needed. Bases loaded in the first, just one run. Second and third, one out, eighth inning. Absolutely nothing. That was not going to do it. And when Bryce Miller did struggle, those moments certainly loomed large. As for Bryce, can't get by with just a fastball, and last night proved it. I, just didn't, I didn't really have it today, and that's where like I got to be able to make you know in-game adjustments and, and throw it whenever I need it. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy with where the changeup is, but I'm not a changeup pitcher. <laughs> I mean. Like it, it's good for when I when there's going to be seven lefties in the lineup or six lefties, you know. But it's not my main off-speed pitch, so I gotta have I gotta be happy with where the slider is, and, and I wasn't today. I really like the way he says that. I think watching the game felt very much the same way. It's just if he doesn't have those secondary pitches, he's really just a fastball pitcher, and he's got a good fastball and he spots it well. And it's a credit to him that he can get through good lineups with it. But if he wants to take the next step, yeah, that breaking ball, that slider is going to have to be better than it's been. We did see the Mariners debut of Dominic Canzone and Josh Rojas. 
kind of a mixed bag. Both certainly had some moments to shine, but came away empty. Canzone did have a nice opposite field double. Just watching him, he reminds me of Hunter Pence, left-handed, but kind of the same style, same body type, same sort of swing. See if he can become the same kind of player. Uh, It was nice to see the Yankees, Blue Jays, and Angels all lose, uh, but uh, that also comes with wins by Boston, Texas, and a no-hitter by Framber Valdez and the Astros. So the Mariners fall to six games back in the division. They actually remain three and a half back in the wild card, so they don't lose any ground there. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, this is going to be it. This is your Mariner team now for the rest of the season. It might not be exactly what we wanted, but they were unable to complete any more deals yesterday before the deadline other than DFA and Colton Wong, which obviously needed to happen. Jerry DePoto speaking with the media says they did kind of what they wanted to do. Obviously, we wrapped the, the deadline. I know there was a lot of expectation and rumor swirling around us, but... You know, in the end, we came into this deadline with the intention of doing what we could to prove our, our opportunities or chances in 2023 while building a bridge to, to 2024. And we felt like we did that. They did. I don't know how much better they got in 23 or 24, but they did succeed if that is your specific goal. DePoto says they would have liked to have done more. Again, I wish we could have been more aggressive. There's, we've, They gave us every reason to, to believe in them and, and be more aggressive. There just wasn't a lot to be aggressive yeah. with. And I think, uh, you know, in aggregate, you can look around the league, and it's pretty obvious not a lot of bats moved. And, and we got some of the better ones that did, at least the more interesting guys. Yeah, a lot of frustration among fans yesterday, and I think even within the organization from people that I've talked to, that they couldn't do more. I echo the frustration. It would have been nice to add a professional at bat or two to a lineup that just strikes out too often. But realistically... There wasn't a lot available at this deadline that suited their needs. It was starting pitching. That moved. They didn't really need it. So I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. But I'm not sure I have like a solution or a plan of what I wanted them to do. Elsewhere, Astros probably had the biggest day. They brought back Justin Verlander. But at a very steep price, they give up two top 100 prospects, including their top prospect to bring back a player that they just let walk away in free agency. Here's the third thing you need to know. First day off of camp will be today for a Seahawks team that's worked real hard for the last week. Another day in pads yesterday. A real good one for top pick Devin Witherspoon, who has just been everywhere. Talking trash, energetic, ball of fire. Do they need to dial him back at all, Clint Hurts? Let him go. The way how the rules go in the CBA is dialed back enough. You know, so they protect him. We got to make sure when it's time to go, it's go time. Yeah, I like that. In fact, I think they love all of the energy that he brings. Uh, I love the spirit and the energy that he brings uh, playing this game. It's infectious, you know, with that young kid. That's just how he is all the time. Uh, That's something that everybody else will build off of. But he had a heck of a day. Super competitive. He's going to tackle. He's going to get it fits. And obviously, we know what he can do as a cover guy. So, really impressive day. Anybody else want to hang out with Clint Hurt every time he talks? Yeah. Like, I just kind of want to have him around. Hype man or whatever. Like I, I just like to hang out more with Clint Hurt. It sounds kind of fun. Oh, when they do mic ups with him, he's hilarious. He's just got he's just got a cool energy to him. Uh, Kobe Bryant. It's funny. Remember we were talking the other day about how he just looks big for being a nickel corner. I mean, he does. He does not look like your prototypical nickel. Well, guess what? They're trying him out at safety. You know, the, whole, you know, the thing about it is you want to have guys that give you position flexibility. So obviously, he's still a nickel for us. You know, Kobe can play in a lot of different spots. You know, and again, cerebral player, really smart. That's a really good communicator. You've heard me talk about what our safeties have to do in this defense. So it's really, it's a natural fit. And he's a good football player. Anybody that can take the ball away from the opponent, 
we want to find ways to get them on the field. That's for sure. It's all about the ball. Pac-9 revealing its media proposal, and it's uh, kind of embarrassing. Basically, Apple willing to take over the network and pay off the debt owed to Comcast, but it would make the network subscription-based. You're telling me the Pac-12 audience, the one that couldn't support the Pac-12 network and didn't care that half the games weren't on TV, is now going to subscribe and pay money for this? What are we talking about? What are we doing? This is a complete non-starter. It's everything you need to know. I'm sorry. Brock will come on. I'm sure he'll be depressed about it all. I don't really know what to say. I'm sorry to all the Pac-12 fans out there. What is going on? And it looks like it's about to get worse. I don't know why any either Arizona school, specifically University of, would stick around in this media rights deal when they have an opportunity to go somewhere else. I don't know why anybody would stick around for this. For a subscription-based model on the West Coast for college sports? Are you crazy? You think people are subscribing so that they can watch swimming? What, what are we talking about? Oh, you know what? I got to start paying money. I got to see what's going on in water polo. What an absolutely ludicrous idea. <laughs> the, I'm sorry. I got to start paying money. The, I'm going to start paying money for water polo. Take my money. Get the heck out of here. All right. Can we open up the phones? We've got a huge chunk of time, and I want to hear from you guys. This is why local radio exists. Seriously. 866-979-3776. I saw a bunch of Twitter comments, obviously, yesterday after the Mariner deadline came and went without really anything yesterday other than the uh, removal of Colton Wong from this raw. Uh, which, you know, needed to happen and was a good thing. I don't think anybody was too upset about that. What do you make of what happened? What do you make of the deal they made and the deals they didn't make? Was there something you wanted to see get done? Are you upset? Are you? Does it make you more frustrated by the offseason? Do you understand it? Do you understand it? And are you frustrated anyway? Which is probably the camp that I would put myself in. I'm going to try not to really disagree with anybody because I think all opinions and especially emotions are going to be pretty valid here. I'm going to try. Let's not get carried away. I'll probably disagree with you a little bit, but I, I, I'll push you, but I'll, I'll really try hard not to disagree because I, I think that this is a frustrating moment. And it comes, by the way, after this team just had the best record in all of baseball over the month of July. So we're going to kind of keep some of these things as a as a as a you know a, a backstop to all of the conversation that we'll have. So 866-979-3776. I know it's early in the morning. I know it's not even seven o'clock yet, but this is kind of why local radio exists. So that after a big moment like what happened yesterday, you get an opportunity to vent or to ask questions or to give an opinion on what you think happened and where you think this team should go next. We'll take those calls coming up next. You're listening to Brock and Salt. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, I do like opening up the phone lines on a day like today. 866-979-3776. You can do it now. Probably do it again at 930 this morning as well with Brock. Because I think this is, again, I, I sort of a, maybe I'm old school as so I'm getting older as well. But growing up, for me, this was sports radio, right? It was just callers and, you know, things have evolved over the years. We don't just take calls ever, you know, all the time the way it used to be. But on a day like today, when a team, especially a baseball team, has a move like the Mariners did or didn't do yesterday 
I, I think it's kind of the opportunity for us all to kind of react and understand where everybody else is coming from, exchange some opinions and information, and then get a sense as to what this team now looks like moving forward. So 866-979-3776, just to kind of outline where I'm at. You can read it at seattlesports.com. I'll just tell you, I was disappointed just like you were yesterday. I wanted the team to do more. I'm I understand the moves they made and why they didn't make other ones. I can't point to one thing and say I wish they had done that. That would have made me happy. Maybe Marcana. I mean like they didn't give up. Milwaukee didn't give up that much for Marcana. And I think you probably could have given something up and gotten back a professional hitter with some positional flexibility. That's the one I guess I would point to and say kind of wish they'd done that. But I am upset that they had put themselves in a position where there was no clear direction for them to go. And some of that is on the moves they made in the offseason. Some of that is on the problems that some of their stars and core players have had in this year. And some of it is just some of the bad luck of when hits have come. But you put it all together and you find yourself in a spot where there was no obvious direction yesterday. And the threading of a needle, while they may have done a pretty good job with it, it's a much harder thing to pull off than simply buying or selling, which makes the most sense at a deadline like yesterday. So with that as a backdrop, as I said, I'll open it up to you guys. 866-979-3776. Chuck gets us started in Kennewick. What's going on in the Tri-Cities this morning, Chuck? Uh, it's uh, already uh, 65 degrees in uh, eastern Washington. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. It's colder so, than that in my studio. It's like 14 degrees here in the studio. <laughs> hey, um, I'm pretty disappointed in what happened yesterday. I really don't know if the trade they made with Seawald for these guys from Arizona are going to help our team in the future. And I'm kind of tired of this trading players that we still have under contract for a year, year and a half just to go get controllable players. Um, I I don't know what was actually available for hitters, but I wouldn't have traded my most consistent guy out of the bullpen for guys that aren't proven. And in the eight and a half years, nine years that DePoto's been our GM um, and president of operations, I'm not impressed. And I think if they don't go and do something next year, and I'm talking like basically give Otani an open a blank check and say, mm-hmm. here, fill in the number or go get a big, big time bat. And like you've said in the past, we're going to have to overpay for a big time bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I think DePoto needs to be let go of his position, so, yeah. the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I'm just not impressed over the last few years. Um, He's had opportunities, and I'm so, just trying so, to so just Chuck, just quickly, of- Chuck, Chuck, good, good call. I'm not, as I said, I'm not really going to argue with people today. I'm going to try real hard, but I'll, I got to ask some questions to follow up on something like that because that's a strong statement. Were you not impressed last year when they made the playoffs? Yes, I was very impressed. Okay, so so let's say also, I mean I- that that that's got to be part of the story. Were you impressed when they traded for Luis Castillo? Yes. Okay. So that's got to be part of the story as well. They blew this offseason. There's no doubt about it at this point today. Were you impressed when they signed and then developed and brought up Julio Rodriguez and then signed him to a long-term contract? Yes and no. I think they signed him to that huge contract a little too early. Okay. Fair because enough. Now, because now now I think he's he's got so much pressure on him, on him to be the face of the franchise and to be this guy where last year was phenomenal. Obviously, he struggled the first 
couple of months, and then he just turned it on. Yeah. And then at the All-Star break, he was just killing it. So they signed him that huge contract, and I think they did it a little too early. I think one of the biggest mistakes they made last year was letting um, uh, the DH guy, I can't remember his name. Um, Carlos Santana, yeah. That really came in. Yes, uh, yes, Santana. Um, not re-signing him because I think he was a massive influence <laughs> on Julio. Um, I'll tell you what; these are these are good points, Chuck. I mean, I'm not, as I said, I'm not really going to argue with you, and I appreciate the passion, appreciate it. I don't know if I'm there with you. I don't know if I totally agree with all of that. I I I am impressed with a lot of the things Jerry does do, but at the same time, you know, you sit here and it's it's as he said, eight years into it, you've made the playoffs once. You could make the playoffs again this year. But the problem Jerry has seemed to have is not about building or developing. It's been about getting over the top. And it's happened now a few times, right? You go back and there's a few other years in which this team was close. And at the deadline, they were unable to add things. One year, they added two relievers who actively made the team worse. There's no doubt that that through this time in, in Jerry's career, the thing that has eluded him has been that piece to get him over the top. Luis Castillo certainly helped last year, and I think that's got to be part of the story. It's it's a relevant and important move and probably the best move he's made as, as the head of baseball operations with the Mariners. But what else did they do? The other guys they got at the deadline last year, not particularly helpful, didn't do a whole lot to push this team over the top. Right, Matthew Boyd, and I'm forgetting the name of the other, Jake Lamb. I mean, like those things just didn't pay the kind of dividends that you could have had at a trade deadline where your team ended up making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right, there was the year they got Zach Duke and some other guy, Adam Warren from the. I mean, those guys were awful. They actively made the team worse. And this off season, when you had a chance to go good to great, look, I liked the moves they made at the time. I don't know why Colton Wong regressed from being a good hitter to the worst in baseball. I don't know why Teoscar Hernandez's strikeout rate tripled. I don't know. It's not really my job to know. It's their job to know and to predict it and to figure out why that's going to happen and make sure it doesn't. They had an opportunity. Even if I liked the moves at the time, what am I going to do? Sit here and tell you they were good? They weren't. Right, Four of the five offensive players they brought in in the offseason are gone, and the other one is Teoscar Hernandez. Mm-hmm. We got a text earlier that said if Kelnick hadn't broke his foot, do you think Teo's still here? I don't know. I don't know whether Dom Canzone would have been the choice if Kelnick was still here because I think you know the two lefties, it's, maybe it would have looked a little different. Yeah. So I don't know if I could say it's one for the other, but I think those are fair criticisms, and Hollander absolutely took the bullet yesterday with Wyman and Bob. I didn't do a good job, I guess is the best way of saying it. We... You know, we didn't have expectations for those guys to be stars, but we had the expectation that those guys and their track records fitting in with the young up-and-coming players that we have on the team, the addition of Teo, would make us a really well-rounded offensive team capable of putting pressure on, on teams in different ways combined with what we felt like was the, the heart and soul of the team was the pitching staff. We felt like we were going to be better, and we weren't. We really struggled for quite a while. And truly, if we're looking to blame, like that blame falls on me. I didn't do a good enough job. Absolutely appreciate the ability to raise his hand and take the blame, take the arrows, have the accountability. But what they really need is for those some of those players to play better and for them to now acquire players to replace them yeah. who can be better I, than that. I got, a, I got a text last night, sorry, I would just no, really quick, about that quote from a friend of mine who's a big baseball fan. 
who said, my favorite quote at work is, systems are perfectly designed to get the results they're getting. If they're not getting the right results, then change the system. Mm -hmm. Based on that quote from Hollander. Yeah, so you need to change the system. Well, they may. I mean, they may need to change what what their process is for going out and acquiring players. Uh, We're going to talk to Jerry DePoto tomorrow, and one of the questions I have for him is that. Did you use the same process to acquire and evaluate Dominic Canzone and Josh Rojas that you did to acquire the same guys in the offseason? I think that's a fair question and something that I'd like the answer to. 866-979-3776. Go to uh, JT, who's in Bellingham. What's going on, JT? Hey, good morning, uh, Mike. Good morning. Um, I like what Chuck had to say there. Uh, First of all, I just want to get a little quick overview now I'm a very uh, I'm in my mid 70s and I grew up in the Bay Area and watched a lot of San Francisco Giant, Willie Mays, like Kobe Marichal, Oakland A's, uh, Reggie Jackson, Joe. Hey Rudy. JT, I love you, but we don't have time for the overview. Just give me what you think about right now. Okay. The uh, first of all, I like to trade. <clears throat> the, the overview on the, the tech, though, is kind of important because the, the modern stat cast era and then the, the smartphone and the, the tracer, we never had that before. Right. You can really critique an at-bat. Okay. <laughs> and that's where the crux is raw, right there. They need to um, – <clears throat> now. okay, just get to the trade real quick. Uh Hey, JT, I appreciate it, man. I got to keep going. 866-979-3776. Let me go to Austin in Walla Walla. Good morning, Austin. Morning, Mike. Uh, So I'm pretty upset. Uh, I think there was at least three moves the Mariners could have made easily. Uh, I mean, Canna is obvious. Fam, I think is obvious. Who is Fam? No, no, no. Uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. You got No, sorry. I'm not going to let you say Fam was obvious. Tommy Pham, to me, is a head case. I'm not interested in that. I don't think the Mariners are in okay. a position right now where they can be adding somebody that has a potential, you know, clubhouse issue. And I would put Tommy Pham squarely in that category. Okay, then minus him. Uh, I mean, you could have gotten DeJong, put him at second base. He's a shortstop, but I think you could have moved him to second base easily. Uh, I, I just think that there was a couple of moves easily that they could have made. And Jerry's all about, you know, he always says trading the belt, trading the belt. Well, don't be afraid to trade then. Like, if you seriously think that that's how you want to build your team, then don't be afraid to trade pieces that are really, like, you won't even think twice about. Especially for uh, for Canada. They gave up pennies on the dollar, like you said. You, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just very frustrating, especially with how the team's playing right now. You are so close. You're so close. And I think if he would have gone ahead and done a couple of these moves and the and if the Mariners did make the playoffs, all this hatred and all that stuff would have gone away. Mm-hmm. Because now, like everybody is saying, he has to have an amazing offseason yep. to get this team over the hump. Because, you know, all this talk about World Series, World Series, you you, you can't you can't say that when you're not making certain All right, so so but here's here's the thing I would ask you. Uh, I, I think you've made good points. Well, other than Tommy Pham. I'm sorry. I got to throw that one out there. But the other points, all right. I'm, I'm willing to buy them, Austin. I'm with you on Can. I would have liked him. I'm with you, I guess, on, on DeYoung. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, he's fine. Do you think if they had traded for those guys, your World Series, like you, you're now closer to a World Series? I'm not saying you're closer to a World Series, but get your team. But hold on. But, but that's important. I mean, but isn't that important? 
What's the goal here? I, you know, is, that's what you're telling me is, is you got to be closer is. to a World Series. Are they closer with Mark Canna and and uh, the kid from from St. Louis? Maybe I would. I would think so. Maybe I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe I mean, they, they are. Have, they have more. They have more. They have more MLB experience than Kelso or Canso. True. And and Rojas is a, is a utility player. Yeah, I'm not wild about the You're Rojas thing, man. I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there with you on the Rojas part. I, I that part's been hard for me. I, I can I can buy into Canzone. I can buy into a guy that that has the kind of upside and talent that he's got. You're gonna have a hard time convincing me on Rojas. I I don't know what's there that they don't already have. Like quite frankly, based on what I saw last night and 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 sort of what the numbers show. Is this a significant upgrade over over Colton Wong, or right. is it just trading the same piece around the board? That's what it feels like to me, especially based on the things you said at the beginning of the season about <sighs> Colton Wong. That... Like, he's been a proven hitter. He's had a yeah. bad year. It's like, well, I'm tired of hearing that about the guys that we get. Right. Like, uh, and maybe, look, maybe they figure him out and it works out. Like, I'm, I'm open-minded, but that one's going to be a little hard to, to convince me on. I get the other point Austin was making about needing to have a great offseason. I found myself thinking a lot about that. Like, if you're Jerry DePoto, you are putting a lot into next year because you do need to be creative to make your offense better. The one thing I guess I would say is the position they put themselves in, I think made it hard for them to be truly creative and go big at this deadline. Who's the biggest trade ship the Mariners have right now? I mean... Logan Gilbert. I was going to say, but he's not... Kirby's untouchable. No, he's not. It's Logan Gilbert. Oh. Logan Gilbert is the biggest trade ship the Mariners have. Logan Gilbert does not make sense to trade today or yesterday when, A, there's a lot of starting pitching available, which is everything that moved yesterday, and, B, you aren't out of it this year. That would have been a white flag. Unlike the Paul Seawald trade, which was not, it would have been a white flag to trade Logan Gilbert now, today, yeah, I agree with that. when you can't go out and get a replacement for him. But two months down the road or in December at the winter meetings, you start talking about a deal where you're trading Logan Gilbert to so-and-so and bringing back a big-time hitter in his place, which we know he's worth. And then you go out and use the one thing you can do, which is sign pitching to take a to take Snell and bring him back home, which I think would absolutely be something you could do and talk to other people in the business who would agree with that. Well, it's a lot easier to trade Logan Gilbert this offseason knowing you're not at that point quitting on this year. It's part of an overall change. So I do think Jerry can, can, doesn't mean will, can go bigger this offseason than he did yesterday. But yesterday's still frustrating. 866-979-3776. Let me go to Cameron in Santa Cruz. What's up, Cameron? Yeah, hey, Mike. I, you know, going off of what you just said, I was actually sort of disappointed in the opposite direction that they really should have been bigger sellers. We kind of know what this team is. They're a 500 team, and they're increasingly showing that this core might have more holes than we originally thought, especially mm-hmm. in the corner outfield, maybe at first base. And I just look at what the Astros gave up to get Verlander and can't imagine that Gilbert wouldn't have gotten you at least maybe a top five, maybe two prospects from one of the teams that was looking to buy at the deadline. Yeah, I don't think they I mean, want to I don't think they want to do prospects for Logan Gilbert and you know what? I don't blame them for that. And I'm not saying Cameron that they couldn't have gotten a lot for him, but I I don't think you're trading Logan Gilbert for prospects. That's a proven pitcher with tons of control who's coming into his prime. If you're dealing Logan Gilbert while you have Julio Rodriguez in his prime, you're getting guys that are major league 
players already. You're, you're doing pitching for hitting. I mean, I think what I was looking at is something like the 2018 Chris Archer deal where the Rays were in contention. They moved him for someone that was willing to overpay for him. And while they looked like they were taking a step back, they were actually building towards something was going to push them to a World Series rather than just continuing yeah. to make the playoffs. No, I understand that. I, I, I totally get the the idea behind what you're saying. And, and I think, honestly, I think there's a case to be made. It's why it's frustrating that they kind of tried to thread this needle. But I don't know that I can get upset that they didn't sell bigger after having the best July in baseball and sitting three and a half games out of the wild card. I don't know that I can get upset for them not going down the road that you just mentioned, even though I think you make a compelling case for it. Yeah, I, I just always go back to you, which is you got to leapfrog a bunch of teams that are were buyers, and we know that they have proven offenses and proven farm systems. But they don't I have pitching like you do. You look at, yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair point. But eventually we've shown that we can develop enough pitchers. Mm-hmm. Like the previous caller said, you've just you, he's got to take a chance at some point and try and go out and get a big hitter. Uh, I know it's kind of against his yep. against his nature to do that, but he's just got to do it at some point. I point. think you're very right about that, Cameron. Appreciate the phone call. Let me try to keep buzzing through these. Go to CJ and Bonnie Lake. What's going on? Yo, I love the trade. Uh, you know, our whole core is built on players like Canzone, um, you know, our young core, and I – I, I think with him having six years club control, we ain't going to give Tamo 20 to come back. That's probably going to be, you know, 20 million with another, say, 20 million we have to spend next year uh, on a, the big bat everyone's talking about. Um, you know, Bliss looks, you know, that's a good, that's upside. Rojas, I like that because we wouldn't have got the playoffs last year without Moore and Hagerty, and we had them, and you can see the difference. Um, and I think the biggest thing with Canzone is he, when, when Jerry said that he fits the ballpark, right? And I think that's a huge thing with hitters, right? Mm-hmm. So many hitters we get, can't just get any old hitter, right? Like any other team can, I don't think. And so because of that, we have to be so selective on the type of hitters we get when we get them because, you know, they can't hit the opposite way power, right? Because you can't do that at Safeco year-round. And so, you know, you got to have that power in the corner, like with Raylaw, like with... Uh, you know, our first baseman, Crawford, you know, they get all those home runs in the corner, and that's probably how I think they view Q's zone. And so I love it. Uh, and, and think of it this way, too. It's going to make us better until the ninth inning. Right? <laughs> right. No, they're going to take a step back there. There's no doubt. Look, from a, appreciate the phone call, CJ. From a strict value perspective, the Mariners got everything you could ask for from Paul Seawald in that deal. They get a young player with six years, a bunch of upside, athleticism. I mean, I kind of liked what I saw from Canzone last night, didn't you? He didn't have an incredible night. He kind of got turned around a little bit on that one fly ball. But he made an athletic play on another fly ball. He came up with a big double. He runs well. He nearly hit a ball the other way that I think a lot of other players don't get to. Look, that was actually a pretty decent debut. I'm going to have to convince you. It's going to take a little more time to convince me on Rojas. 866-979-3776. Let me see this before. Go to uh, Kerry in Lake Quinault. What's going on, Kerry? Hey, good morning, Mike. And thank you for your uh, baseball acumen. I have to tell you that since the days of Danny Kay, the issue with this team has always been spending money. I don't believe for a minute that uh, Capoto is a bad GM. I think that he has... Uh, been forced to work within a budget that 
prevents them from actually going out signing big uh, free agents. I think that's been the case but throughout the te- history of the ball. But all teams work in a budget. I mean, like, they all have a budget. Uh, they all have a budget. I mean, I here's the thing. Both Justin Hollander and Jerry DePoto have been asked about this consistently. And every time, including yesterday, they say that's not the case. Well, of course they do. They're, they're not going to throw the ownership under the bus. But the, but the truth remains that uh, when we lost our uh, Japanese benefactor, I thought, oh, boy, we've got local ownership, people that are invested in this team, wealthy people. I thought that we would actually uh, – show a difference in the way we spend money, and it hasn't happened. Uh, I'm not talking about the uh, uh, perceived budget that each team operates on. I'm talking about the actual money spent. Uh, They were awfully proud of the fact that they were one of the top money makers uh, in last year and in years past. It's not been about uh, building this team through free agency as well as drafting and develop. We haven't spent money on uh, on developing hitters uh, all around major league ready minor league. Here's the problem I got. Look, I, I appreciate the call, and as I said, I'm really not going to argue with people today. If you're upset with ownership today, I, I'm not going to tell you you're crazy or anything like that. Would it be fun if they spent more money? Yes, Carrie, I agree with you. That would be great. But this argument's still going to be a little tough for me just when I look at the standings. And then I look at where each team is in terms of payroll, and I see the Mets, number one, sellers. The Yankees, number two, tied with the Mariners. The Padres, number three, horribly disappointing season. Then you got the Rangers, who are pretty good. Phillies, disappointing season. Dodgers, great team. Astros, good team. Angels, generally disappointing. I mean, like, you know, there's a little of everything at the top. And then you go to the bottom. Yeah, the A's and the Pirates stink. But the Orioles are 28th in baseball and spending. They're arguably the best team in the American League right now. The Rays are right behind them. Then the Guardians. I mean, so there are three teams right there at 26, 27, 28 that are all really good. The Diamondbacks are below the Mariners. The Brewers are below the Mariners. Cincinnati's below the Mariners. I mean, like, spending, there's a correlation, but it's not the correlation. I'm not sure the people that say that are, like, asking them to be at the top, though. I think they just felt like Colton Wong and Teot, but there was, like, Those guys cost money. Yeah, but I think they thought there was higher level bats available. But those guys cost legit money. Those guys cost money. If you want to criticize them for Tommy LaStella being cheap, okay, fine. Those guys actually cost money between Teo and and uh, Colton Wong. That's like what close to thirty I think million still dollars. A that you were going not completely top tier there. I get it, and I, then you I saved understand. some money, but it didn't work out. I understand, but the guys who they did spend top tier money on have been arguably just as bad, except in more money. Yeah, there are right. a lot. You of want Trey Turner? He's been absolute dog. You know what? He's yep. been terrible. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, they got him till he's forty two. Like I, 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 I'm not telling you you're wrong on money. I'm just saying that doesn't solve the problem. How's that? It, it's not necessarily wrong. Can it help? Yes, but it doesn't solve the problem. Great phone calls. Thank you, everybody. That was awesome. We'll try to take more of them later in the show. Brock will be in. We'll continue to figure out what the heck the Mariners did yesterday or didn't do. You can read more my thoughts at SeattleSports.com. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.